looking for the King of Podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want a host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Mmm, I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Mm -mm Mmm-mm-mm. Don't mess with me, I'm one crazy mofo. This brand is truly exciting and so glad that they are starting to make a positive impact. Little Bean Soapery is a woman-owned small business based in Northeast Pennsylvania. Little Bean Soapery does so much as all products are handcrafted and offer many different things for both men and women. Soaps, scrubs, body butters, bath bombs, solid cologne and much more. Little Bean Soapery also does things for special occasions such as birthdays, Mother's Day, Father's Day and special seasonal gift day. But also let's not forget large orders for party favours by request. The great things about all products is that they are crafted to be nourishing on the skin. If you wish to check them out please feel free to visit littlebeansoapery.com. Any questions, please feel free to also email littlebeansoapery at gmail.com for custom inquiries and or ask anything else you wish. Tell them that Elena from Crazy Train Radio sends you. Hey, this is Russ Portnall and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. It's your least favorite host in the podcast world, Croc, Jonathan Steele. And I'm Elena, your favorite host from the Emerald Isle. Boy, do we have a good one for you today.
Well, after about 15, 20 minutes of tech issues, got to love technology, folks. I will start with this. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, this next guest played 16 seasons in the NHL. Let's see, for Toronto Maple Leafs, Montreal Canadiens, the North Star slash Dallas Stars, Vancouver Canucks, the Rangers in L.A., for a combination of over a thousand games. Not only was he known best for his skating speed and offense that put up an amazing 744 career points. In the year I was born, 1984, he was the team captain for Canada at the World Juniors and also followed that up with an appearance on the Olympic squad in Canada. Born in Duncan, British Columbia, but grew up in Oak Bay, British Columbia. This guest, Russ Courtnell. How you doing this afternoon? I'm doing good. What a what an introduction. Thank you. Well, folks, thank you and good night. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Before we get Sorry going for the technical difficulty. Hey, it is what it is. You know, I'm trying to make the best of it. So Yeah. Before we get going, I want to mention you can also hear Russ on his show with uh, Juggle Jim, and we'll get into that a little bit, called The Suspendables, which we will have links and everything oh, to you. that. We will have links to that and all. And I know when I reached out this morning to confirm today, he mentioned he was going to tape today. So how did that go? It went good. Yeah, we've been doing it a couple of years now, and um, I, I really enjoy it. it I, we we record it every Monday um, around 1 o'clock Pacific Coast time, and then we uh, release it on Wednesdays. So it's called The Suspendables, and I never thought I'd be doing a, a podcast or a radio show, but here I am a couple of years in, and Jim and I are good friends, and it's fun doing it. Well, where did you connect with Jungle Jim there? Jungle, uh, so I met Jim through Wayne Gretzky. Um, Jim did uh, um, all the Gretzky fantasy camps that I attended. And then when um, we needed a, a, um, a, a host or MC, I should say, for our charity events, we hired Jim. So Jim, Jim and I have been friends for a long time, but we met through uh, Mr. Gretzky. That is awesome. And Wayne is one of those bucket list guys that I would certainly love to talk to. And I know you had him on episode 50 of your show, which yeah. was awesome. But, yeah. you know, it's funny because I was talking to a fellow Canadian this afternoon based in the Toronto area, Liam McGuire, who is a hockey historian uh -huh. himself. Uh, I guess uh, you know yes. the name then. Yes. And yes. I met him. I met Liam, because he does similar things in the Philadelphia area for the Flyers alumni hosting events and stuff for them. So, and he had nothing but praise to say yeah. about you when I mentioned I was going to be talking to you. Oh, nice. Yeah. No. And, and Wayne came on um, our show number 99 too. Oh, so he's well, on twice 50 and 99. And in fact, he told, so Wayne and I have been good friends for a long, long time. And I, I, I live in Sherwood Country Club where he um, lived up until um, recently. Our kids are close. Our wives are close. He and I are close. So 
I heard some stories on the show that I'd never heard before. And so um, people who are interested in Wayne Gretzky should listen to uh, 50 and 99. It's a great, um, some great stories. And we had a lot of fun doing it. And Liam's great too. What a historian, man. The guy, guy knows so much. Um, I mean, the few times we've had him on, because we, I personally had on a Clint Malachek and a few other guys from the game of hockey and Liam would participate, but I also taped it with Liam as well when he was in for the Flyers 50th anniversary. And it's just unbelievable to rattle only of stats and time periods and things people may not think off the top yeah. of their head. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. But, oh, absolutely. And before we move on from the great one, because this episode's not exactly about him, we're going to be talking Russ and a little bit of the current game. I do want to mention, because I'm looking at it on my bookshelf as we speak, 99, the stories from the great one, where he published a book <laughs> during the 100th anniversary of the NHL. So I would suggest that as a good read as well for any hockey fan. Mm-hmm. So, absolutely. absolutely. But going back to you, sir, and it's amazing how much you've been a part of, but also a, I would say it's amazing because of the family dynamic, not only for yourself in the game of hockey, but just in hockey in general. And because you got to play with your brother in Vancouver for some of the time. So, what is yeah. that like for you to not only have a successful career in the NHL yourself and have some notoriety internationally, as I mentioned in the introduction, but to have a brother who was just as successful? Well, it was it was great because we played at the same time. So we, we relied on one another um, through good and through bad and uh helped one another um when we were playing opposing teams jeff was a jeff uh studied goal, all the goaltenders that we played against and he knew their weaknesses so he would share information to me and, on up and coming games and if this goalie was playing you should shoot here if you're playing against this defenseman watch out for this and it was great so we we leaned on each other when, when through the good and through the bad, like I said, and, and having your brother um, do the same thing at the same time and having that person in your life that you can trust and talk to was, uh, was I think it was good for both of us. Absolutely. And I'll throw out a little stat, which I found impressive when reading that both Russ and Jeff were the first brother combination to both play a thousand <laughs> games in the NHL. So that's pretty impressive. You you can win a lot of, uh, you can, you can win a lot of uh, drinks in the, in a, in your local bar. If you're uh, want to play trivia, who play, who are the first two brothers to play a thousand games each in the NHL, the Richards, the halls, the Espositos, the house or, uh, or not the house, but the, uh, the Sutters or the Cortinals, and you'll probably win every time unless they listen to the show. <laughs> exactly. Then you can throw in uh, 
<laughs> a generational thing, such as the Hals, the the brothers Brett and Eric Lindros, and you know, they, like I said, yeah. they're such a family yeah. dynamic when it comes to the game of hockey. You know, interesting uh, when that when that um, came about when Jeff and I were playing, neither one of us knew about that stat, and the media started calling him and calling me and and said, you know, you guys are closing in on a thousand games. You're going to be the first two brothers to play a thousand games each. So I was ahead of Jeff at the time. And then I broke my ankle with about 24 games left. And my career was winding down. And, and, um, and, and so I was worried about not playing the thousand. And then I started to worry about not playing the thousand games. So I, uh, I, uh, once I got to a thousand, then I could relax, but man, those last 10 games were tough because I wanted that statistic so bad. And so did Jeff that it was so important for us, you know, two kids from Oak Bay and Victoria, British Columbia to, to, to do that was, was a feat in itself. And, and we were, we're really proud of that. And so we both wanted it not only for us, but for our hometown. Absolutely. But, you know, I'm curious to know, how was your experience playing actually at Notre Dame? Because that's a pretty uh, prestigious place to play any kind of sport. It was, it was great. Um, My dad really wanted me to go to Notre Dame and we had had some kids, older kids in, in Victoria that went there and he was really impressed um, with the when they returned and uh how mature they were and and their experience was so great the hockey was good the school was good so he always wanted me to go and one day i got a phone call to go attend the school so i went in ninth grade skipped 10 i stayed home for um my first year midget and then i went back for second year midget and then i after my second year midget i made the victoria cougars in the whl so i i didn't go back for my senior year okay and i can take this out if it's uncomfortable but since you brought up your father and it's been a talk a lot lately over the past couple years of mental health how well first part of that would be how much of an influence was your father on you and your brother but also i know unfortunately your dad passed away due to suicide and mental health issues so Mm -hmm. yeah if you yeah. are you are you comfortable talking about it or? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I am. Okay. So yeah. uh, um, we. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Go well, ahead. I was going to say with the first part of that, how much of an influence was your father on you and your brother? Huge. Um, we only had him for a short period of time until I was thirteen, and. Um, Jeff had him till he was almost 16 and our dad was, was, uh, was an incredible leader. He was a great dad. He was a great coach and people just loved being around him. And he had, he had a lot of influence on us and who we are today, even in the short period of time that he, uh, he was with us. So we're, we're blessed to have him. We unfortunately lost him way too early and, and, um, and he missed out on so many great things that he really was responsible for, you know, our hockey and, and, uh, who we've become. So, 
sad. Yeah, but I I'll say this before I ask the positive side of his influence that folks, this is my one serious moment here that if you think something's up, please don't be afraid to reach out to somebody. So. Yeah. 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 It's, you know, um, we all, uh, we all have our struggles and people um, who are close to us, if we know they're having, mental health issues and they you just need they need to find help and they need to find professional help because friends and family can't help somebody who's sick they they can they can help them get to to someone who's a professional and can help them but we're not equipped to um handle people's struggles um and they, you know they need to go see somebody professionally and there's so many good people out there and they're and and therapy is a good thing so hopefully yeah. if anyone's listening to the show who's struggling, just talk to your doctor and try to get in and see somebody who can help you uh, with whatever issues you're dealing with. Yes. But point being, you know, I'd like to see people get the ball rolling if they feel there's something there, which is most yeah. important. But you said he had a, your father had a lot of positive influence on you. And what do you think he would have thought of you and your brother's success? Oh, he'd be super proud. Um, my, um, my dad actually played, uh, hockey and, and was his rights were owned by Detroit Red Wings. So he would grew up a Maple Leafs fan and back then they didn't have a draft. So he belonged to Detroit and he would have been so pumped that I got drafted and played for the Toronto Maple Leafs, his favorite team. Absolutely. And for those who aren't familiar with, Russ's time in Toronto, he was part of the famous Hound line with Gary Lehman, who was also a fellow Notre Dame Hound alumni, and some guy named Wendell Clark. <laughs> yeah, which, <laughs> you know, there's stories there in itself, you know, with a 20 goal barrier, notching 22 and 38 assists for 60 points. And, and your offense improved the following year and all, but I was actually asked to ask you what you thought of Wendell Clark, especially of his fighting of the time. Of his what? His fighting? Yeah, watching him fight. Oh, my God. I had the best seat in the house because I was a centerman. And Clark, he was, he, he was so tough and so, uh, like, when he fought, it was to the end. And. He uh, he had some scary fights. He beat up a lot of guys, and uh, he um, he was feared. Every rink we went into, um, he was feared by the other team, and and rightfully so. Clark, he was uh, one of the toughest to ever play. Well, with that being said, uh, my follow up would be a, a two parter again. First of all, who do you think? Because, like you said, Clarky was a tough son, bitch air when you go back and watch all his stuff. So would you say he was the toughest guy as far as that role in the game would be? And also what are your thoughts? Cause you know, with the game that we have today, there are is, or I should say there is less and less fighting. Yeah, there's less and less fighting. Um, at that, at that time when Wendell played, there wasn't, uh, I don't. I don't ever recall seeing him lose a fight until um, 
he's had a bad back and, and he lost the fight to Bob Probert in Toronto, but it, he was so, his back was so bad that he, he had no strength and he missed a lot of hockey after that. He, after a Philadelphia game, he just, I, I talked to him. I said, you gotta, you gotta take care of yourself. You, he couldn't, he couldn't barely skate. And, uh, he took some time off and got not a hundred percent better, but there wasn't, uh, I never, other than the one Probert fight, um, I never saw one to lose a fight. Probert was a tough son of a bitch as well. You know, he, like and I said, big too. Clark, he oh. wasn't, Clark, he wasn't that big. And, and so it was amazing. Yeah. And that I, Wendell beat up all these guys that were bigger than him. Yeah. And I grew up in the Philadelphia area and obviously there's the lore of the broad street bullies, like guys like Dave Schultz. Mm-hmm. Also in my, I would say my generation of watching a game, you had guys like Donald Bashir, Todd Fedorik, and Riley Cote and just based in my area, but you go, you mentioned Brad Probert, and there's just a list of guys throughout the game's history that you go, good lord. Yeah, you know, Ty like, Domi. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Ty, yeah, Ty Domi's another one, but is there a place in the game for fighting to still kind of be there and have that enforcer? I wasn't a fighter, but I, I, I think there is, and I think that the enforcer is a good thing because it usually keeps the honesty in the game. Um, there, there isn't as much fighting. There's, it's more skill now, and the the fighting is just a. I think it's a good thing. The fans seem to like most of the fans seem to like it, but it's it's more of a keeping keeping people honest on the ice. And um, yeah, I don't think we'll ever see a day where there's no fighting, but we're sure there sure is a lot less today than there was. Well. As we get into your career a bit, you were dealt from Toronto to Montreal for, speaking of which, enforcers and John Kordiak. And some say that Montreal got the better of the deal and you became a fan favorite. <laughs> but what would you say, because obviously Montreal and Toronto are two great organizations in the history of professional hockey. But what would you say the biggest difference is between those uh, two clubs? Well... Um, I, I, I don't know. They're, they're both, the, the fans are so passionate about their teams. I would say the difference is one's a French speaking city and one's an English speaking city. Um, but the, the passion from both cities and their, their fan base is, is equal to one another and they have great histories. Uh, Montreal obviously has won more cups and had more success than toronto um so i would say that the difference is that montreal's one more and obviously you can't hide the numbers there but you were actually on the losing end of a stanley cup final the following year against calgary is it i i don't know how because obviously like i said we where i'm from love and respect hockey but when you have two canadian teams like at calgary and Montreal in the Stanley Cup. Is there, does it feel bigger as a Canadian yourself playing in the finals there? Well, that it was all consuming from, from Canada's point of view as fans, because team, you know, fan bases from Vancouver, Edmonton, different, you know, um, different parts of the country, 
Manitoba were all picking a side, even though that wasn't their team playing. And so, yeah, there's a, there's a huge focus from across the country on the, on the two teams playing against each other. And unfortunately I was on the losing end of that um, series. They had played in 86 and Montreal had won. And then um, that year in 89, we uh, unfortunately lost um, four games to two. Speaking of that, and for me at least, the Stanley Cup, as far as championships, is the end-all, be-all. However, you were fortunate enough to play in the World Juniors, as I mentioned, the Olympic Games in Mm -hmm. 84. 91, Mm -hmm. you were part of the Canada Cup, which is a prestigious tournament within the sport of hockey, but also the Stanley Cup. So playing four big things like that, is there one that would would you say is better than the other three? Well, I think representing your country is always um, a, it's a huge deal, and and I got to represent my country three different times, and the World Championships, the Olympics, the World uh, World Juniors, and um, it's so. Playing for your country is a, is a massive deal, and and especially for me as being um from from being uh, being from canada and and growing up there it was just a huge huge honor uh didn't win a stanley cup if i had won a stanley cup it'd probably be the biggest deal but uh representing representing my country was just so uh such so proud to have to have been part of those teams and to participate in the olympics and we battled and lost the bronze medal to Sweden two nothing, and and we were a young team. There was no pros on our team, so we were all eighteen to twenty two years old and just guys out of college and junior. And actually, I think we had a seven couple seventeen year olds on our team, but we were young and playing against uh, other countries' best teams, and uh, meaning Czechoslovakia, Russia, and Sweden. Um, Anyways, it was good. I loved I loved uh, traveling and wearing the uh, Maple Leaf on my chest. Absolutely, and I would think anybody you speak to would would be proud to represent their country. Mm-hmm. But you know, fast forward a few years, talking about yourself, you were actually traded to Vancouver in the later half of your career, and actually got to play with your brother Jeff and. We were talking earlier about the success that both of you guys had had for your career, but what was that like to actually be able to play on a professional team with your brother? It, it was awesome, and, and Vancouver is as close as we can get to our hometown, Victoria, British Columbia. So we felt like two hometown boys coming coming home and playing together and playing in front of all our fans and friends and family and. It was awesome, but it was short lived because they, the Canucks didn't sign Jeff and he became a free agent. He didn't want to leave and he ended up going to St. Louis. So, um, I spent the next two years playing in Vancouver without him, but, um, that short period of time that we had together was fun. Well, you mentioned earlier about breaking your ankle there. Would you say that was the worst injury you had throughout your career? No, I think the rotator cuff was when I, uh, when I tore my rotator cuff in Montreal, I missed 41 games. That would be the longest period of time I ever missed. 
and and when I broke my ankle, I don't know how, I think I was out four or five weeks. I think I don't remember it being too, too long. My wrist, I broke my wrist in junior. I missed hopping over right before the Christmas break. So I only missed 10 games, but sitting out half a season and just at that time, and it just felt like forever. And, and, uh, yeah, that was, that was a hard one. Because it, it was so, um, it was such a stupid accident in in warm up. Um, Elaine Cote, my own team, a teammate tripped me in a drill uh, as I was going to the net, and I fell into the boards. And so, just wasn't even a, wasn't even during a game. It was during a warm up that it happened. So that was really unfortunate. Yeah, it is, but. Did, with either one of those major injuries you mentioned, it a rotator cuff, the ankle, the the wrist, and whatnot, did was there any point with any of those that you felt like you weren't the same player coming out of it? Um, no, not that, not really. I I um after the Montreal, and so it took me a bit to get back going, and then in Dallas, I had my in when I got traded, I had my two two of my best years. I'd had my best year offensively the year before I hurt my shoulder. And then I then went on to uh, play for Minnesota and Dallas had two great um, offensive years there. So, I mean, uh, it's hard to say whether it would, it it affected me. Um, I was really looking that year. I came out uh, from the Canada cup and I was ready to, really light up um, and, and continue on the, the path that I was on. I'd led the team in scoring the year before and I, I even felt, I just felt so good. And then that happened and it was definitely a setback, but then, you know, things came around and, and uh, got back to the way I was playing before. Awesome. Well, I mentioned his name earlier, Liam McGuire. He did ask me to ask one question. So I figured this would be great towards the end of the episode here. And he was curious to know, and I wouldn't even thought about this because I didn't know they do it. He was curious to know, did they ever get a lap of you or one of your laps timed since many felt you were one of the fastest at the game at that time? If not, yeah, you- they, I did. I won the, uh, I went to, um, I went to uh, the all-star game in New York and so you can tell Liam he can go go there and, <laughs> and find out what my my time was, but it was Fedorov, Coffee, and myself, and one other guy, and I was like point zero 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 one slower than um, either Coffee and Fedorov, maybe. And then they ended up in the finals, but I won the uh, I won the relay up and back against Jeff Sanderson. He was a fast player too. And you skate straight up, get a puck and go through the cones and come back. And I had won that race, but um, yeah, I was pretty close to being in the finals, but I didn't, didn't make it. So I don't know what the time was, but yeah, i got time there. Yeah. Well, have to but I, don't, I did- couldn't tell, I couldn't tell anybody what it is. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I really don't. Yeah, and those are some pretty impressive names that you were up against. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Koff was unbelievable, and so was Fedorov. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm curious to know, because I'm always a guy that appreciates rivalries in sports, no matter the sport. 
But is there a particular favorite rivalry with teams that you enjoyed watching or you participated in when it came to hockey? The the rivalry I really loved was the Montreal our Montreal Boston rivalry. It was awesome. I mean, it was it was so intense and meant so much to both teams. Um, when I was younger, it was Detroit, Toronto, and Detroit, but we were both uh, in the bottom of the league, struggling um, teams. But when I was playing in Montreal. Those Boston series were unbelievable. And then we faced them every year in the playoffs. And, and the first year we beat them. And then the next three years they beat us in the playoffs. Um, but those were those were awesome series, awesome uh, regular season series too. And and uh, fun to play in. But definitely it would feel like there was something extra when you knew they were coming up on a schedule. Yeah, yeah. They were like playoff games, the regular season games. And I'm curious to know, because I know they implemented this in the past couple of years here, and sometimes you shake your head, but are you a fan of games being decided by shootouts? Well, I, I talked about this on our show, The Suspendables, today, and I think, for me, it's whether the fans enjoy it or not. And, and I watch these games, and, and the fans are waiting to see who's going to win. So if they like it, then it's a good thing. And they're, they're paying their money to be entertained. And the, each team gets a point for a tie, which is, I, I think is a really good thing because you've worked really hard for that. And then, you know, the winning team gets extra. So I think the NHL's done the best they can with what, you know, what times they have available. And, and the fans seem to love it because they all stick around and watch it. And final question for you. Who was the best player you ever got to skate against, but also growing up a hockey fan, who was the best player you ever got to watch? Both Wayne Gretzky played with against and watched. (laughs) Well enough. Well, folks, if you want to check out his podcast with jungle Jim, it's the suspendables. Like I said, we'll put the link to the suspendables.com where you can find out all the audio outlets that that show is on. Like he said, they tape it on Monday, comes out on Wednesday. Russ Courtnell, thank you so much, sir. You're welcome. Hey there, Friday fans. We know how much you enjoy the movies. Enjoy grabbing your Friday merchandise and interacting with the Friday family, whether it be at conventions or during our particular watch-alongs. Well, when you're looking to get yourself masks, why not check out our friends over at Camp Blood Customs out of New York State and order your specific custom mask from any of the films. All orders are made specifically. Your needs and wants are. Make sure you find Camp Blood Customs on Facebook, Instagram, and all over social media and order yours today. 
Howdy folks, Clint Malarchuk here, former NHL goaltender, and you are listening to Crazy Train Radio.